Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cool Zone for another edition of the Cool Zone Pod. I am your host, Nick Brown. Alongside me today again is Jonathan Sullivan. This episode, and like all of them, are presented by Mouthing Off Sports. We have an umbrella of podcasts to check out. Uh, to name some, we got the Foxborough Files, newly signed pod to Mountain Off Sports. That's going to be a Patriots diehard podcast, plus fixing to talk sports with Ryan. Episodes for both those pods will be dropping usually on Fridays. We are an earlier week pod, and we are your one-stop shop for all things NBA basketball. So, the first thing I wanted to get to today, uh, Jonathan and I have the privilege of being a part of 18,000 Uh, group chats between all of our friends and stuff and somebody who's not somebody who I wouldn't consider a very humongous basketball fan by the name of Paul Bolduck uh, who we might actually reach out to get on this pod uh, at some point just kind of get somebody who's not too into the league and too into basketball you know get some of their thoughts on it but he sent a, a very long message comparatively on his thoughts about the NBA and basketball as a whole so I kind of wanted to go over them, um, let you guys in on what he said if you uh, are listening and obviously weren't a part of this. So one of the first things he talks about is, I mean, he just makes a statement saying that the NBA is trash, and obviously that's just an opinion. Um, but I think over the course of the past few years, uh, namely regarding the NBA Finals, I think there has been a lot of animosity towards parity in the league. Uh, so, I mean, that that's more in regards to super teams, what we get to, but I guess the first thing I want to talk about is competitiveness. A lot of people make these comparisons to old school basketball and say that things were so much better back then and that nowadays, uh, as Paul says in his message, that the league is very buddy-buddy and that there's really no uh, kind of grit and battle like you actually hate each other when you get on the court. Something that you probably would see more in hockey and football. And personally, I, I just I don't I don't agree that the league needs to be like football or like hockey in, in order to have competitiveness. I don't think you need to be buddy buddy um, to be good, and I don't think you have to be the opposite of that in order to have competitiveness competitiveness in your league. Um, I don't know. I think guys still play hard. And I think there are plenty of times where you still see guys getting chippy with each other on the court. So I think that is a bit of a reach, in my opinion. And to kind of blow through some of the rest of the points quickly so Jonathan can give his thoughts as well. I mean, he talks about super teams. And that's all Golden State's fault. Uh, They kind of ruined the parity in the NBA by uh, forming that super team as they did, which mainly was through the draft, obviously, with Draymond and Clay and Steph. Uh, but bringing in Katie really just 
made things super easy for people to predict what was going to happen as you saw 40 years in a row the Warriors and Cavs made it to the NBA Finals um, so super teams aren't a new thing though like we've been we've been dealing with super teams in the NBA since 2008 when the Celtics first formed the uh, the first big three of Paul Pierce Garnett and Ray Allen so I mean at some point you kind of just have to like as much as you might not like it you kind of have just to have to adapt to it you know, um, I don't think the sport should be just centered around super teams, but I think there's still more to it. And I think this year, you're not, I don't think you see like crazy super teams anymore. You see a lot of guys kind of pairing up. Like you have Katie and Kyrie in Brooklyn, and obviously year two of Paul George and Kawhi, although Paul George, I don't really know if you can call that man a superstar anymore, but we'll see. Um, but now you're seeing so many different pairings. And I think it brings a lot of excitement. I mean, you just saw everybody thought the Bucks were going to be monsters last year, and the Heat went in and beat them, albeit you could talk about the league being, you know, an asterisk on the season because of the bubble and the break that everyone had because of COVID. Um, but I think there's a lot of competitiveness now in the league and a lot of more, a lot more parity in the league. You look at the standings right now, and there are so many teams that are, like, around the same record. There are a lot of people around 500. You know, not as many outliers as uh, you would expect. It's still early, but that, those are just my thoughts. And then, I don't know if there's a sport that gets more rigged conversation when it comes to officiating and kind of just the play style and just all the games in general, particularly in the playoffs, than the NBA. And I don't know if it's just because it's the way the game works and the, how officiating is featured versus other sports, but... I feel like you only hear this large amount of talk in basketball. It's not I don't think it's as apparent in other sports. And I really like I don't understand why. Because it like I have, I find it hard to believe not only that it's true, but that so many people are actually like serious when they say this. I mean, people obviously are going to troll and I got no problem with that. Like, you know, a joke's a joke, but like I really don't think that the NBA would ever actually get refs to uh, to extend series just to increase revenue. Like, they're already a ginormously um, money-gathering industry. So, I, and I know there was that report. I remember, um, I don't know if you remember, like, I think it was last year where somebody talked to an old ref that used to officiate in the league, and they said that, like, officials absolutely sometimes like doctor calls or something like that i, I forget Isn't, uh, tim donnie yeah he was he was convicted of like right. rigging games and mm-hmm. stuff like that so i mean that's not a great precedent i guess to my case but i'd like to think largely in part that that's usually not the situation and then lastly the physicality i mean it's just a different league everybody's a sh- everybody's trying to like work on their jump shot now everyone's taking threes the three-point line has changed the league uh, crazily, uh, I, I mean, I think it simply just comes down to if you can get good at sc- at scoring the ball without having to, you know, get hit as you're going to the rim and score more points for your team, why would you even bother? Like, why why would you do anything else? And that's not to say that, you know, teams don't need to play inside as much as they do outside, but I think it's just the way that the league has come down to it, and I don't think it really hurts the league in any way. You know, basketball is basketball. You see it in every type of sport. The NFL used to be primarily running, and now it's an offense-heavy throwing league. You know what I mean? So, um, obviously, it's all up to opinion, but I figured I'd just offer my two cents a little way to jumpstart the pod. 
uh, I don't know if you have any glaring thoughts. Uh, what did you think about um, all the all the talking points on this on this message that we got? Um, I just, I mean, I I just think it's a classic case of someone that just doesn't really like basketball, and then they just dress it up as reasons why they don't like basketball. I mean. You have the same thing for baseball. People say they don't like baseball because it's too boring. You have the same thing for football. People say they don't like football because it's too violent. Like, I mean, this this is just reasons why people don't like basketball. The super team thing, I, I agree with you more that there's more parity now. What the Warriors did was unique because they were guaranteed to win the championship every single year when they were healthy. The thing is about the Heat and even the Celtics is that, like, the Celtics, they didn't win the championship every year. The Heat didn't win the championship every year. I mean, these guys, these teams actually at least, they did win championships, but they didn't, like, coast. Like, the the Warriors won 16-1 uh, and one the first year with KD in the playoffs. That had never happened before. The, LeBron, every year except for, for last year, which was in the bubble, which I don't even think, like, should really factor into this discussion, any team he was ever on to win a championship, they had to go seven games in at least one series. The Warriors, that was thrown out the door because they were just that much better than the competition. So the super team thing, I, I disagree with. I understand that there's been like super teams. There's certain teams that you know are going to make the finals. But the idea that there's one team that is so much better that you don't even have to like blank about winning the championship, those days are only happened for the Warriors. And mm-hmm. they didn't happen before, and I hope that they don't happen after. I don't think they exist now. I mean... The Lakers are probably favorites to win it again, but like I don't think anyone would really be surprised like if the Lakers lost, you know, in the Western Conference Finals to the Clippers or in the finals to the Nets or the Bucks or something mm-hmm. like that. Um and yeah, I mean I don't it's just a classic someone that just doesn't like the NBA and then they just dress it up. I don't know what it is about basketball, but I feel like when you look at all the ma- four major sports, the people that hate basketball like hate hate it so much and they talk about how much they hate it so much more than a lot of other sports i think it's because it's so much like in like the mainstream mainstream. like it's it's definitely like in it it doesn't get there in ratings actually baseball beats it in like the highest marks but in terms of like mainstream like knowledge and stuff like that especially amongst young people it is clearly the number two to football and for some like young people I would argue that it's even better. I would say of all the four major sports in the United States, when it comes to having a, ha- uh, a you know, a breath of the youth and who has the most, like, young, who, what sport do young people, like, gravitate towards most? I would say basketball might have up football in that, res- in that uh, retrospect. I would agree on that. Like, I would say you can find more young people that can name, like, a bunch of basketball players than a bunch of football players and definitely this i think the same for baseball and, and hockey unfortunately it's just its own different thing because it just doesn't have the same audience um but yeah i mean i thought that was just a good way to kick off the pod and now we really got to get into some interesting stuff because things are starting to get really tense in the nba right now because of uh one thing that's haunted us for the past what what are we going on almost 10 months now uh yeah we're talking about COVID again uh hopefully not for too long but uh, we have today, when we're recording this, uh, Monday, January 11th, uh, we have two more games canceled. We have the Celtics and Bulls game that actually is supposed to be played tomorrow, I believe, already canceled. And then the Mavs and Pels game uh, already canceled tonight. I think that game was supposed to be tonight. Um, 
the league is not trending in a very good direction. You know, before we even had these cancellations, the 76ers had to play seven guys, mostly scrubs, uh, against... Oh, who, who was it against? Who? The 76ers. It was against uh, Denver. Den- That's yeah. who it was. And they, they lost, and they still put up a good fight. And they had Tyrese Maxey, I think, played like 45 minutes in that game. Uh, so this is not a good trend. Uh, you have people talking about whether you need a break. The only problem that you get with breaks, um, and I have to cite my source. Lil, uh, Lil Mike brought this up to me when we were discussing it. But if you go on a break and you take two weeks and you kind of postpone the se- postpone the season for two weeks, and then you come back, and this stuff happens again, whether it be right away or just a little while longer into the season, you know you're 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 screwed in a sense, like as far as a scheduling standpoint. You're not going to get all these games in. And they're already at a point where, what, three? so three games have been postponed, technically. Uh, I don't know what the word is on when they're making these games up. But if this trend continues of teams just constantly having contact tracing, taking out their whole teams, which I'm surprised that in the beginning the Celtics even played uh, against the Wizards. Yeah when they already had, like, three or four guys out uh, because Robert Williams tested positive, and yet Robert Williams was on the court with so many other guys, and they just deemed them okay. So I, I had no understanding of how that happened, but more on the Celtics later. But specifically with the rest of the league, they're in trouble. They're definitely in trouble. And uh, I don't know if this is on the players need to sharpen up, or guys on the sideline, coaches, whatever it is, or there needs to be something structurally changed about their COVID policies and practices if they're going to keep the season alive. Uh, I don't know what you think. What do you, what do you see going on in the future? I mean, they're in a pretty delicate situation here. Uh, Adam Silver came out this morning and said, like, he's nervous about right now, but he thinks that the league will start, like, rebounding especially in february and into march because then he believes the league will have uh players that are starting to get vaccinated and stuff like that but i think it's interesting that the league only released the first half of their schedule they said they're going to have 72 games and that runs out until march um so they only have half released right now so 36 and i do wonder if this is a case of we kind of envision this Maybe we go, You we mentioned the cut it down part, then you might have to, to, I mean, you shut down, then you might have to shut down again. I wonder if this is a case of, we'll cut off. Like, we were supposed to play 72 games, we only announced the half first half of the season, now we're going to shut down for a month, come back in February, and now instead of playing 72 games, we're going to play 54 games, or 60 games, or something like that. Yeah, like they anticipated this happening yeah. in order, you know, they, they announced 72, but in the back of their heads, there's they probably a, had yeah. a secret other number. There's a reason, like, there was talks about how the NFL left open a week for week 18 if they needed it. The NA, the NBA, it seems like, left open half the season <laughs> in case they needed it, which it, it appears they might be. Just because the, the NBA, I mean... Unlike the NH, the NFL, where you have so many players, like I mean, if two or three people on your team get COVID in the NBA, you're you toast. Mm-hmm. There's only twelve, you know. There's only fourteen or fifteen people on a bench, and only you know eight or nine actually really get run. Right, like you can play. Yeah, but it's like depending on who these players are. Yeah, it changes 
everything for at least that game. You know what I mean? You might Celtics might play the Wizards, so to speak, right? Without Tatum, I mean, that that's a game they can lose. Records don't mean anything when you have players, your star players not unable to play. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope the Celtics um like, I mean, we're going to talk about the Celtics later, but I hope they don't. I hope they honestly do get shut down for two weeks, and then they can come back and they're just completely healthy. But Yeah, selfishly for them, it probably helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so really, uh, they're on thin ice right now. And uh, at this point, I really don't know what they need to do to, fi- to fix it. But they, they got to... They are having a meeting today. I think they might actually be in a, uh, a meeting right now with Silver and all the... Uh, Governors of the teams. <laughs> I saw that uh, Woj or Shams tweeted that out today. That they were having an emergency meeting. All right. Well, hopefully they figure something out to uh, to get the season back on track. Uh, I would like to think, obviously, that they're probably going to increase sentiment on masks on the sideline and kind of try and increase policy on guys going out outside um, outside of the games out and off the court stuff, trying to keep that to a minimum. But at the same time, when you when you embark on this journey, I mean, you have to, you can only do so much in trying to limit guys and their outside interactions. So, I mean, I can't say I'm too surprised with everything that's going on. But anyway, that's enough about the future of the league. Hopefully, that goes swell. We get back to just playing basketball. But let, let's talk about some stuff that's been going on. Um, the other day, Demarcus Cousins got ejected from a game against the Lakers. And this was after a little squash with uh, Markeith Morris, who we know is just a trouble starter. Um, But there's a play where DeMarcus Cousins gets hit with a flagger two and gets ejected from the game. And, you know, if we were... were, I wish we could show this video, but we did obviously tweet about it. Uh, Go follow at TheCoolZonePod on Twitter. Uh, this play was ridiculous. I don't know if you happen to catch this play, but LeBron is driving to the rim, and Boogie is literally, I believe, two LeBrons left, and he just swipes for the ball, and his forearm just happens to hit LeBron's head because he's ducking his head down. And I cannot believe that they call this a flagrant two. You know, and this this is the kind of stuff that ignites the, it really fuels like the basketball haters. You know, with their soft arguments. Because there's no reason for a play like this to institute and qualify as a flagrant two and an ejection. You know what I mean? It's I know with DeMarcus Cousins things might be different in the eyes of the officials because a guy he's a guy who gets teed up all the time and is really uh, a guy with a big history of getting into squashes, getting into fights mid game and uh, in even past ejections, I'm sure he's probably up there on the, the leaderboards as far as ejections go. But, I mean, at some point you just got to withhold a standard, and I don't think this is the standard they want to set on plays like this. Uh, did you did you happen to catch the play? Did you see it? I, I saw it. Uh, you actually sent it to me because you were so uh, invigorated by it. Yeah, it pisses me off, man. Uh, I just think it had everything to do with who it was on, and that was, that was about it. I mean, it was on LeBron, right. and... They want to protect. They want to protect the stars, obviously, and it's just as simple as that. It was just a hard foul on LeBron because he's LeBron. They don't want to see he's LeBron get, get hurt. Call. The NBA obviously doesn't want LeBron to get hurt, mm-hmm. so he's gonna get that call every time. Yeah, I th- I think that's a shame, and I think um, this is 
the NBA kind of has it so differently when it comes to how they treat their superstars in regards to officiating and. But let's not act. That. Let's also not act like this isn't similar to what happens in the NFL. If like Patrick Mahomes gets hit late or Tom Brady gets hit late, this is true. Actually, like, that's it, a very it's similar. Very comparison. similar. Yeah. Like, so the people that say the NBA is soft, like, will they come and say, you know, Tom Brady gets late hit? If Tom Brady gets late hit, and um, let's say Daniel Jones gets late hit, who's going to get the call? Nine out of ten times, Brady's going to get the call. I don't know oh, what yeah. percent of time Daniel Jones is going to get the call. But, like, Patrick Mahomes versus, you know, Drew Locke, they both get hit in the same – they both get hit low. Drew Locke maybe gets the call 40% of the time. Patrick Mahomes probably gets the call 100% of the time. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, I just think it's one of those things where when you start talking about protecting people, then you bring in the conspiracy theorists, and then it just becomes a whole mess – uh, so, you know, hopefully the refs sharpen up. I mean, the, I mean, I don't think it's been any different than any of the year. The refs have been getting blasted since officiating ever became a thing, which has been forever. So I don't think hating on officials has ever been anything new ever since, you know, the, the bad boy basketball era ended where you could punch guys in the face and get away with it. Um, you know, it's a totally different game in the way it's played now. Um, in other news, so Kawhi Leonard recently scored his 10,000th career point and all he had to say for it was that it was a stepping stone and that he doesn't really care. Am I surprised by that statement? Not at all. But I would really, I would like to think if I were him and I was in that moment, I would kind of bask in that glory because not everybody gets to score 10,000 points in the NBA. You know, you talk about a guy like in football, I know we keep making comparisons to the NFL, but Aaron Rodgers threw for his 400th career passing touchdown and uh, he He's keeps he knows exactly who he's throwing his one hundredth touchdown to, two hundred, three hundred, and four hundred. And there was a little audio that TikTok, the NFL's TikTok account put out of him and Devontae Adams talking about it, and I thought it was really cool. You know, I don't think guys need to be like sticklers with their stats and stuff, but it is kind of a cool reminder of the accomplishment and the hard work that you put in. So Kawhi is just a weird dude. Uh we've been known that. But um, I would I would have liked to see him take a little more, uh, a little more enthusiasm into such a uh, such a good accomplishment for a guy who has a bright career in the league too. Um, other news, you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of big games in basketball. A lot of guys kind of coming up and playing out of nowhere. Uh, this the bias is going to come out here. My OKC bias is going to come out here. But uh, a player who probably a majority of basketball fans, I'd be surprised if they know. But uh, the the Queens native Hamadou Diallo, the sh- backup shooting guard, uh, comes off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, his last two games has been averaging about twenty four points a game, and he sported a double double against their in their win against the Knicks the other night. Him and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, my goat, have been going off as of late, and you know now the Thunder sport a above five hundred record. It's the worst tank ever. And uh, I think if <laughs> I think if they continue this win streak a couple more games, I'm going to cancel the tank. But aside from that, uh, they they have a bright future. You know, they talk about the 20 picks they have in the next five years. Uh, you know, people had been kind of saying, oh, well, in five years, you know, they'll be in the 2026 NBA Finals. They get guys like Amadou to play like that and be really serviceable off the bench, and they keep him around and let him continue to develop. That track might be a little quicker than 2026, but obviously we're not going to worry about that too much right now. 
other guys having great seasons so far. We got to talk about Julius Randle. I think we mentioned him last week, but this guy just continues to be a either triple double or almost triple double machine. Uh, consistently scoring in the mid-20 to high-20 points per game and then averaging almost 10 rebounds and assists. I think he might still be top five in assists per game. Uh, If not, he's very close. So the Knicks, having a much better start than most Knicks fans are probably accustomed to, probably would like to see a little better from their guys. Uh, Obi Toppin is still hurt. Uh, He's not expected to be back for another like 10 days from now. Um, But also... Jeremy Grant, we talked a little bit about Jeremy Grant as well last week. He had two 31 and 10 point games, uh, 10 rebounds, of course, for the Pistons, the 2 and 8 Pistons. So while Blake Griffin keeps taking rest days, uh, Jeremy Grant, no days off, keeps going out there and balling. This is another OKC legend, a guy who really wasn't known for doing much of anything with OKC other than playing some good defense around the rim, you know, being long athletic. And kind of uh, at least he, he was a good player around the rim, I would say, on both sides. But now he's really shining in this role for Detroit. And I'm not, I forget how much his contract is for. But if he continues to play like this, he's going to find himself in a pretty good spot, I think, uh, after this contract is up. Especially if it's only a two-year. That's probably ideal for him. He can get himself to a contender. Teams might actually give him a couple looks. But again, it is still so early. So we don't want to get too hype on that. Another guy who we don't want to talk about shifting teams, talk about Bradley Beal, a guy who had 60 points in a 10-point loss to the Philadelphia 76ers before their COVID issues. Uh, Bradley Beal has been in trade rumors probably longer than anybody else I can remember in the league right now. Um, Do you think Bradley Beal will ever get dealt anywhere? Yeah. I think he's getting dealt soon. Well, not this season, but I think in the offseason he's getting dealt. Mm -hmm. I think that the Wizards are on track for, it appears, they're in definitely contention for the number one pick. I think they might be, you mentioned Detroit's 2-8, they're 2-8. I think that's probably the worst record in the league. I know the standings pulled up right now. But, yeah, I I think you could see him moved for like a high another high pick and then the wizards have two high picks in this next draft and then they that's how they try to rebuild mm-hmm. i could i could definitely see that confirmed uh worst worst record in the league both pistons and wizards are two and eight raptors are sitting at two and seven and then you got the timberwolves at three and seven so those are really your uh your bottom of the barrel teams there let's talk about another guy who again i feel like so many okc legends are just coming up now demontis sabonis uh this kid is really coming into his own right now in Indiana. Last year, we talked about him having a good year, and he's just getting even better now this season. He's averaging about 21 points per game, adding in a couple of double, a lot of double-doubles. I think a couple triple-doubles. I can't confirm that for sure. But the kid is averaging 21 points, 12 rebounds a game, he is absolutely balling out for the 6-3 and three Pacers that hold three seed right now very early on in the season in the Eastern Conference. They trail only the Celtics and 76ers at 7-3. and three. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who can shoot the ball pretty much from anywhere, pretty consistently. He's all, I, Ever since he got to the league, he was pretty good from mid-range. I know when I watched him play early on in his career, he was always taking shots at the top of the key, not the three-point line. He'd take a couple steps in, but he was always money from that range. And, you know, now he's kind of honed in his ability to rebound the ball and uh, shoot a little deeper out behind the three-point line. 
I mean, this is this is today's NBA. This is a versatile four, essentially. You could kind of play the five if you need to, play some small ball. And a really probably kind of sought-after talent. I think every team probably wishes they have a guy like DeMontis Sabonis on their team. Um, and I think his contract is pretty friendly for how he's playing right now. I don't know how much he's making for sure, but he's definitely not on a, some big super contract, that's for sure. So uh, hopefully Sabonis keeps it going. We'd love to see him playing well. And the last thing I think we could point out um, but since over the last week, Steph Curry kind of getting trolled by NBA NBA fans in the media. Not so much the media, but uh, the Warriors are kind of getting their fair share of slack from the media and fans, and specifically Curry and how he started off the season. So Curry took it personally and dropped about 60 points on, I think it was Portland. And, you know, Curry is a guy coming off an injury like that. I'm not surprised people are getting on his case, but I think it's one of those things where you got to give him some time. Uh, But the thing is, when you play for the Warriors and everything the Warriors kind of did to parody in the league and stuff like that, you're going to get people who really want to hate on uh, on the Warriors and Steph Curry just because you're that good. It's, a, it's the same thing the Patriots get in the NFL, another football comparison. So I'm not surprised. Uh, but I think the point here, if when I tell you the that last night he had 11 points on 12% shooting and was a 1 of 10 from 3, uh, there are going to be some inconsistencies with Curry. They did win, though. They did win, though. Uh, so I think... The Warriors are going to find themselves in a tricky spot. Um, I don't I don't think they'll be very high in the Western Conference. They probably will make the playoffs. I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't. Uh, they still have some decent talent there. But uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Curry will probably keep playing inconsistently for a little while until he kind of gets into form. And lastly, just a little injury update. Um, so ever since the riots in D.C. took place, uh, we know Kyrie Irving is a very outspoken player, uh, especially when it comes to activism and stuff like that. Uh, he took a game off uh, due to personal reasons. And, you know, normally I don't side with Kyrie, especially being in the Northeast and in the Boston area. Well, a lot of people hate Kyrie Irving here for good reason. Um, but I really felt like the media didn't, uh, portray it very well. Um, I think because of what happened in DC and how serious that was, you know, guys who are a lot more active in society and like, um, in everything that's been going on in the world lately, I think for a guy who is like that, that's something that's going to affect you a lot more seriously than others. Now, at the same time, I understand. You know, other people can't just at their jobs that don't play basketball and just say, I don't feel like going to work today. Um, but I, I don't think the media really did him any favors. And to be fair, they probably haven't been doing him any favors as of late as well because the media just keeps bashing him. So this is another case where you see the relationship between Kyrie Irving and the media, just their button heads. Uh, because Kyrie's a weird dude, got a lot of weird dudes in the NBA. And uh, again, I'm not... This is another thing that I'm not too surprised about, but I really thought the media... I, I, I'm waiting for one of the sides in this whole, like, in this whole mashup between Irving and the media to, like, I don't know, give give the other a benefit of doubt, extend an olive branch of some sorts, and kind of just, like, put this to bed. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's how the media really works. So I think we're going to have these conversations about Kyrie being, you know, 
unmotivated or something. Uh, and you're gonna, you, he's gonna get attacked by the media, and sometimes it's gonna be rightfully so because he doesn't help himself either. Uh, so I guess pretty much business as usual in the world of Kyrie Irving. But hopefully he gets back onto the court soon. Uh, the Nets really need him right now. The Nets sitting at five and six just dropped a game to the tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they definitely need to get back on track because, you know, we talked last week on the pod about the Nets being a possible NBA Finals contender. Kind of expected them to have some troubles, but Steve Nash said in his presser that he hated the motivation and they just didn't play with pride last night and they really uh, underestimated and overlooked that OKC team. And that's something they definitely need to learn from and hopefully we use going forward to make sure that they don't overlook any of the other teams that they will face future in the future of the season. Uh, and lastly, just a couple injury other injury updates. So we had a couple torn ACLs, and you really hate to see it, especially for Wizard Center Thomas Bryant. Uh, this guy was having it a breakout season. People, at least I, uh, was one of the people who expected him to have a really good year. You know, longtime Wizard Center Marcin Gortat and other uh, temporary centers in Washington that had played over the years were not going to be in his way. He was going to get his minutes. It seemed like he was truly developing as a player, and he was having a fantastic start to the season. Uh, so this ACL injury injury really hurts, uh, not only for the Wizards, but just for his career track. Hopefully he heals quick, recovers speedily, and makes it back onto the court next season and balls out. And also Markel Fultz, another guy who's been injury-ridden pretty much his whole entire career. Another That's a torn ACL for Markel Fultz as well. Hopefully for a speedy recovery for him. I had Markel Fultz in both my fantasy leagues, so that one stung a bit. Even if he wasn't playing too well to start out the season, he was playing better uh, comparatively to his past season. So hopefully he gets back on the court next year and continues to improve on his game. With that being said, now we can kind of zone in on the hometown boys, the Boston Celtics, who we talked about earlier in the pod having some real issues having their games being played because of COVID between Robert Williams testing positive, contract tracing, taking out Grant Williams, taking out uh, Carson Edwards, and uh, am I missing somebody? There's one other person I'm missing, right? TT. TT. Tristan Thompson. Uh, so they were down. No, They had no big men in their last game before all these cancellations started happening. Um, so let, let's talk about some of these other games. So the first game that we uh, we kind of alluded to in our last pod was their game against Toronto. And this game was a game they started down really early. You know, they went down double digits in the first quarter. You know, but they really battled back those two middle quarters. They put up 38-39 in the second and third quarters. And they took a big-time lead on Toronto. But as the for- as foreshadowing will show when we, when we mention this, you know, they started to blow their lead again and got outscored in the fourth quarter by seven points, but that doesn't do any favor or doesn't give any true um, doesn't give any true spotlight on how close the game got uh, towards the end. So this Toronto game, what did you think? Anything you remember about this game? How they played? in regards to how they've been playing. Like. Well, it was a good win in that Toronto game. They started down the first quarter really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, I think that was that was a breakout game, a little bit of a breakout game for him. 23 points. Yeah. Um, he's legit. Uh, Tatum cooked in that game. I, I, Tatum was going to have a 50-burger if, if it wasn't so blown out uh, in the fourth quarter before the Celtics bench blew it. Um, 
it was just a good gutsy comeback win. I, I'm worried about Toronto. I think they're toast. I think them playing in Tampa, I didn't really think about it as much, but them not having a home court away from their houses or whatever the whole season I think is really going to put a bind on them. You have guys living out of a hotel room for the entire season. I just that's going to blow up in their face and they're they're not going to recover. They're going to be better than they are right now, but they're it seems likely to me that they might not even make the playoffs. Um but yeah, it was a good win. Um I came on this these very airways and said if Aaron Neesmith uh, didn't play, uh I was going to cancel him and label him a bust. He did play all 10 minutes, ten minutes and he had uh you want to read you? How about you read it? You got the box score pulled up there. I do. How about you read his stat line all the way through, including the fouls? Okay. All right. So Aaron Nesmith, he so as we said, played ten minutes in this game against Toronto. He was zero of three from the field. He took two threes, missed them both. Didn't make it to the line a single time. He collected two defensive rebounds for his total of two rebounds. Uh, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers though. Bright spot there. He's the one of the only, the few guys that didn't commit a turnover in this game. Joined Theus and Thompson, but they're centers. So, uh, and then also added in a nice four personal fouls. And uh, as you can imagine, from the zero for three shooting, he had zero points. And lastly, finished the game a minus four. Uh, so not as bad as some other guys. To be fair, Tremont Waters was a minus seventeen. So, not the worst, but yeah, it's a minus four. So, uh, not the best showing. Small sample size, though. Yes. I mean, that is that is also the only game he has played since uh, since we last saw the young, since last week. The young stud. Yes. I mean, clearly glowing reviews for this young star. Um, he just needs time. Hopefully, when they, they, if they play in their games this week, I mean, considering they only have, like, eight guys that can play, uh, he's going to have to play. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Although, every day that the Celtics games get canceled more and more, so they they didn't play yesterday, they're not playing tomorrow. So you're on, you're on to Wednesday now where they have a game against Orlando. And I think that game's getting canceled. I don't but think they're the going to play is, that game unless it, something happens in this the, meeting. You the mentioned. original quarantine guys, like Thompson... And Grant Williams, not Bob Williams, because he actually has COVID. But mm-hmm. Grant Williams, Christian Thompson, they were originally said they were going to be out a week, so mm-hmm. that would put them from Friday to Friday. So we're getting, we're technically kind of getting close to Grant mm-hmm. Williams and uh, Tristan Thompson being able to be cleared, right, and that, rejoining the team. That Magic game is Wednesday, though. Yeah. So but that, you that, said that you think it's going to get canceled. Though. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I think it's going to come down to what happens in that meeting that you're talking about. If they. If they decide on doing something right out of this meeting, then obviously we have to look to that. But if nothing comes out of this right away or in the next day or two, then, you know, like if they have to have another meeting and talk about it or something, then there's no chance they play on Wednesday because I don't think their roster is going to change. At least in in the short term, in the next couple days. But, so, that was a... That was a little Aaron Nesmith talk, and unfortunately he didn't play in the next two games, I don't think. so. Uh... Hey, let me correct myself. Okay, uh, go ahead. The the meeting is actually tomorrow, not today. Okay. So Woj tweeted out two hours ago. Uh, this is at 1.30 today, Monday, uh, the 11th. The NBA has set a special Board of Governors meeting for Tuesday, sources tell ESPN. Okay. So, yeah, that makes me even more confident that they're going to cancel that game Wednesday. Uh, I think for, for the teams that are in the COVID protocols and really struggling to uh, make uh, players available, 
I don't see those teams playing any games until probably the earliest Friday. I think or or until they make a decision on what to do. I think meetings. it's a huge break for the Celtics that they they had to play Friday um, down a few players, but they were lucky enough to play the Wizards, who is, <clears throat> as we mentioned earlier, tied for the worst record in the league. It's one of the teams and they didn't one. like Philadelphia had to play. I feel bad down for them. so much against a a team in Denver that is probably a contender in the West. Yeah, they should not have had to play that uh, game. So the Celtics have really. As of right now, are getting the luck of the draw. Now, yeah. this could change. They might have to play all their games later this week and stuff like that. And it is possible that because of these postponements, the Celtics are going to have to play, you know, back-to-backs or whatever. I don't know how they're going to reschedule these games further in the season. But uh, I would take... If you had to tell me I had to play three games in three nights with Jason Tatum as opposed to one game with the roster they were going to run out tomorrow, I would take the three games in three nights every single day. Mm-hmm. That's also true. I would agree with you there. And I, you, you bring up Jason Tatum. It's a good segue, segue to talk about our young stud a little bit. Uh, because at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of Jalen Brown talk. We talked about how well he was playing. He's not playing bad now, but he's certainly come down a bit, you know, a little more down to earth. But Tatum has now been playing nuclear uh, in this Toronto game. He had 40 points on 11 of 19 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3. And he was a perfect 13 of 13 from the free throw line. You know, that's the one thing I kind of bash Tatum for is that he's a one-for-two from the line his, kind of uh, guy. His free throw percentage is up to 89% this year. Yeah, I, I hope that that's something he's either been working on or that he just figured out. Um, either way, love to see it. Great stuff. Uh, in this game, I mean, he really could do no wrong. And uh, let me say also, since this last pod that we had when we talked about how Jalen Brown has kind of been the better player, mm-hmm. uh, Tatum must have been a listener. Because last week, <laughs> he was the best player in the Eastern Conference. <clears throat> and I'm not making that up because uh, Shams just tweeted 20 minutes ago. You probably haven't seen it. But Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum were named respective players of the week for the Eastern and Western Conference. So by that logic, Jason Tatum in the last week was the best player in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so if you, I mean, you want to keep, keep a stat tracker going of week one versus week two, I mean, they're both Jalen Brown won, Jason Tatum won. Let's see what happens in week three, although they're... Week three might have to be, you know, taken out of the stat sheet because of all the cancellations. But, I mean, listen, Jason Tatum, 40 points against Toronto, 32 against Washington, 27 against the Heat. Uh, I'm no mathematician, but that sounds like about 99 points total. So he's averaging about 33 points a game. Is that good? That, I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, considering that Bradley Beal is averaging like 34, 35 a game, I think, on the whole season. That's a, that's a, I think that's a good number. And, and his, don't forget that the team also went 3-0 and during that week. 3-0. and So, I mean, this brings us back to that conversation we had last week where I asked you, hey, is this team going to have more success if Tatum's being the top guy or Jalen Brown's being the top guy? Um, and, I mean, technically 3-0, and I don't remember uh, how many games there were during that stretch and what the Celtics' exact record is, but, I mean, clearly, I don't they think were, you... The week prior, they were 4-1. and so uh, so they're they're seven and one in their last eight. That only loss coming to that disgusting game Pistons. that they blew in Detroit. Yeah, yeah that that was. We don't so even need. They we don't played, even need to talk. They about have been that playing anymore. very well since they got annihilated on Christmas and then went to Indiana and lost the first game there. So since their comeback at Indiana on the second time they play them, mm-hmm. they are seven and one, which you can't complain about. Yeah, hopefully it was a little kick in the ass that they needed to start. You know, playing 
a lot better and taking games more seriously and coming in with a better mindset and a better attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's so far it's shown. I would like them to hold on to these leads like we mentioned earlier. I'd like them to, uh, you know, I'm not saying they need to blow out teams by 40, but uh, with Toronto, you know, they battled back, caught themselves a nice big lead, ended up still winning by 12. That's a good win. Um, but, I mean, you watch the game live, and it's a little different than what the scores still show, even though they're still winning by close to double digits aside from that Miami game this week. Uh, but nonetheless, another thing I just want to mention on Tatum is the fact that he's shooting so well. You know, he's 11 of 19 in the game against Toronto. That's over 50%. That's probably closer to 55, 60%. And then he's 14 of 27 in the game against Washington. Again, above 50%, probably low 50s. And then in the game against the Heat, he's 10 of 21. So just below 50%. So he's hovering around that 50% line. And that's exactly what you want to see. And his three-point percentage has been great. Five of eight against the Heat. Five of eight against Toronto. And three of nine against, you know, the Washington Wizards. But listen, three-point percentage is a little different. You're not expected. I mean, that the league average is probably around somewhere between, what, 33 36%, I think. Something like that. So, I mean... I mean, I'm certainly not going to complain about two above 50% days from the three-point arm because uh, that's somewhere where he lives a lot. And not only his ability to hit for there, but his ability to create his own shot from behind three-point line is something I really loved and really noticed these past three games. I do think he's better stepping to the left than he is the right. That's, his, that's now his signature move. That's yeah. his go-to. Yeah, I, I, when he steps left, I almost consider it in. Especially if he's having like one of his games where he's in his bag, mm-hmm. I just consider that shot in. The right's a little different, I, but I, and honestly, I when like <laughs> anytime I'm playing basketball myself, I like shooting. I like stepping to the left versus stepping to the right. It's just you know, every guy's different. But he is really coming into form right now, and we knew he could play like this. But um, it's really nice to see it happen uh, after his small struggles to start the season uh, in regards to shooting the ball. Uh, just wanted to give Peyton Pritchard a little love because I know we talked about him at his 23 points. He also uh, dished in eight assists in that game against Toronto. Um, definitely, if Pey- Peyton Pritchard can shoot eight from 13 from the field, uh, he added in five free throws, was about 50% from the three-point line in that game, a plus 18 overall. Uh, that is That is a guy that you really need coming off that bench because we talked about it from the beginning. This is a team that has a lot of depth issues. And, you know, when you have your first overall draft pick in Aaron Neesmith not playing, and when he plays not playing well, uh, you need other guys to step up. And we've seen also Marcus Smart really struggling as of late with his shot. Uh, He didn't play in the Toronto game, but against the Heat, he was 3-10 from the field. He was a minus 6 overall. Finished with 9 points, 5 fouls, 4 boards, 6 assists. You know, I'm not. This is not a guy that needs to pad his stats and be scoring dozens of points and doing all these crazy things. His mo has always been his defense and his ability to hit shots when they're open. And sometimes he's been forcing it as of late. And then against the Wizards, he's two of ten, so twenty percent, thirty percent from the field. Got himself to the free throw line a lot. That's why his uh, stats were a little better against the Wizards. Uh, he put in thirteen points. Nine of them were at the line, and he finished a plus four. Uh, like you're gonna get, you're gonna get a like a handful of, of rebounds and assists with Smart, but that defense is really where you need him to shine. And taking Smart shots, it's kind of ironic that we say he needs to take Smart shots, but uh, this is a guy who we've talked about struggling over the beginning of the year, and uh, you know 
this is they, is another guy they need who is going to be like a fringe starter who's going to start some games, come off the bench some other games. And he, you know, he's shown he's able to fill those ro- those both those roles very well before. Uh I think it's just one thing where maybe hopefully when health returns to normal and everybody the team gets 100% that he could kind of solidify where he is cuz as we know with professional athletes and anybody playing these kind of sports uh having a solidified role makes guys feel a lot more comfortable. They know what to do. They know what's expected of them versus being a guy who hops around. I mean, that's why you, when you talk like in baseball, the utility guys who hop around in the field, you know, they're not usually as largely talented. You, know, you don't have utility superstars. Mm. That's not the only reason why they're not good, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, so hopefully Smart picks it up going forward. You know, the other thing we wanted to mention before we dive deeper into these games is Kemba Walker. So obviously when the cancellations, when they figure that out, if the season is to continue after all the meetings and uh, whatnot, um, hopefully Kevin Walker can get back on the court. He's been cleared to practice for a the month, they The Celtics said. are targeting. Um, originally this report came out yesterday before the Celtics game was even canceled against the Heat, but they're yeah. targeting uh, this Friday's game against the Magic for his return uh, to action. Okay. Which, uh, if the Celtics are going to have to play some games down a few guys, this would be a big help. That's for sure. My only worry in that is, are, do you know if they're able to practice right now? Because I don't they're, know. If, I believe their facilities shut down. Yeah, if they're not able to practice, they might not feel as confident throwing Kemba out there yet. So that start might get delayed a little longer. It is possible. Yeah, but nonetheless, the fact that he was supposed to be getting back onto the court Friday is a fantastic sign for Kemba. Um, I assume he'll probably be on a slight minutes restriction. I don't know for sure if they said anything about it, but. Mm. Um, I would probably honestly hope. I mean, they're playing so well right now. I would rather him kind of get gradually um, increase his minutes a little slowly so that he's able to play and doesn't, you know, hurt himself again because, you know, this is a guy who's been struggling with the injuries, especially with the knee. And not only has he been struggling with injuries, he's been struggling with his performance on the court. The bubble was not a good look for Kemba. And, uh, you know, we, it's a guy that they really need to step on in a, a, a leadership role, too and get these guys playing well and continue to get these guys to play well. Um, was there anything else that you noticed in these games over the past uh, three games in the week that uh, you w- that you think is worth mentioning? The only thing I want to say is like, I, just increasing my hatred of Carson Edwards. You know, I sat here and watched that game against the Heat. He played 10 minutes in this game, and every shot I knew wasn't going to go in. He had those two layups in transition. Uh, but other than that, the other two shots he got were absolute bricks. I hate this guy. You said he's not an NBA player. I, I, I just don't. I don't get why he's here. I don't. I, 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 I feel like you could go to the G League and get a guy who could just strictly shoot from three, who's taller, better frame, and probably have more success than you are getting with Carson Edwards. Like Aaron Nesmith to you is starting to be what Carson Edwards is to me. Well, I also It's a little different because of, I know you also aren't very high on Edwards and you think the sim- similar things. Uh, but I guess it, it just bothers me more than Nesmith because Edwards has been around longer now. Uh, and Nesmith just needs some time, bro. Just needs some time. But anyway, so back to my original question. Is there anything else you, uh, you wanted to bring up about the past few games for these Celtics? They've looked good. Um, you know, they... I said last time on the pod they were a 3-5 to five seed. 
I think I'll move that up to a. I'll move that up to a. They're a two to four seed now, so I'll go up one spot in uh, each direction, which is uh, impressive to me. Tatum looks like he's he's knocking on the door of like borderline MVP conversation. Jalen Brown looks like he's he's still playing at an All Star level. I think he might have came down from that All NBA level, but he's playing like a guy that's going to make an All Star team this year, and. That's just great that they're they're both still taking steps. They're both still getting better, and they're still both under twenty five. Jalen Brown turns twenty five in October. Tatum turns twenty three in March. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and they're si- they're signed up for the long term, and it's a good they they're going places. I I would like to think they. A lot of people had them as like a second round team this year. The way they're playing right now makes me think that they might be a, you know a, they could be a conference finals contender. Or maybe even a dark horse, you know. You, you probably need a few injuries with Milwaukee or Brooklyn to implode. But, you know, you saw that last year. So there's no reason, again, why the Celtics can't be you know, a, sure. a dark horse finals team the way mm-hmm. they're playing right now. And, again, I think it's one of those things where their success and their uh, making a long playoff run is going to be predicated on whether they can get some help from their bench. And a guy who I actually really thought did well with the minutes that he was given was Semi Ojale. I think he's been not a extraordinarily different player, but I think he's improving. You know, his shot looks better from my eye test, at least. Um, so that's a guy that I hope continues to improve. I know Grant Williams still like he's still a little like I, I don't know what other word to use other than raw. He just looks a little I don't want to say lost on the court, um, but it, it just it sometimes I'm not sure of what I think at least about how he's playing. Because, uh, I mean, he's in the bubble, he was he was good. Like, he was able, he proved he was able to hit some big shots for them. Um, and I think he's another guy that you can use as a, a primetime defender. And, you know, Ojale being the Giannis stopper. You got some good defenders off the bench. Uh, Robert Williams, I'd like him to get more run. At least, I'm not the biggest fan of him. Time Lord, actually. It's, you're never going to get me to call him that. All right, well. Ever. You're the only one. Because it's a stupid nickname. And the kid misses one meeting. Oh, it's the Time Lord. It's funny because he's the Lord of Time. Like, shut up. Stupid name. Oh, my God. But anyway, uh, we got to talk about Taco Fall. I don't know if you enjoyed Taco playing as much as I did uh, Washington against Washington. Uh, obviously, his stat line was crazy. He played about 19 minutes. And I was really excited for him to get some more run um, with these with these games coming up that it got canceled. But hey, he was a plus thirteen while he was on the court. It was the third highest on the team, only uh, to Jalen Brown and Semi Ojale. You know, only four points, but he had some he had some great blocks. You know, there was a play where uh, I believe it was Robin Lopez was like boxing him out, and Davis Bertans came in for a layup, and he was still able to like simultaneously get his hand up over Robin Williams and block the shot. And not only do the fans love him, but I love him, and of course I'm a fan. But, like, I think this guy, I have been clamoring for Taco to get some more run. I understand he's around the rim. You know, he's he's very, I almost want to say clumsy. And he's, I think it just he, comes like, with his height. Yeah, he's just, he's, his... Limbs are simply too big for like, <laughs> like his brain, like. But I I also was very impressed by him the other night. I mean he that was the first time that he really played and like he looked like he 
kind of belonged on an NBA uh, stage. It'll be interesting to see, like, you know, was that just a one-game fluke against the worst team in the league, or can this guy actually play? Mm-hmm. Like, because if he can actually play, and I don't mean play as in, like, start. I mean, like, play as in, like, Come off play bench. 10 minutes yeah. and provide, like, because he's just, he's so big that he's never going to have the stamina to run up and down a court, you know, 30, 35 minutes a night, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, like, he is just dominant. I mean, he's simply, you throw the ball to him, he simply reaches up higher than everyone and just simply dunks it. If he's able to get into position, he's a guaranteed bucket. Yes. It's just, he does struggle to get himself into yeah. position. And I not, think it's he's just still, he's too big. And he's still not, like... He's not strong enough against yeah. bigs. He's obviously bigger, taller. Oh yeah, than them. the heights have a problem, but, but he, he just can get, can't. He can get pushed off the block pretty exactly. easily. Exactly. Yeah, these bigger guys who have you know we got like what probably forty, yeah. forty pounds. I, gar- least, like I guarantee. Pounds of muscle. I, if I was to take a guess, I would say that maybe like Pritchard or Edwards are probably lower. But if you were to say who on the team, you know, benches the least and squats the least, I would say Taco. <laughs> is probably right around the bottom. I would agree, yeah. Um, let's see. A couple other guys that I'm a little disappointed in how they've been playing. Uh, I know Jeff Teague just came back from his injury. Yeah, he's but been, he was really good in the preseason in yeah, the first and game. We talked last week about him yeah. struggling, and it's only continued. And you know, he has also been injured. But he's another guy. You brought him in here, and you really need to get some more run out of Jeff Teague because he's a vet yeah, I, guy in the he, he is a veteran, and that that worries me less than some of the young guys. Right. Like, I think that eventually he's going to get his feet wet, and he is what he is at this point in his career. I mean, he, he made an all-star team when he was in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. he's a backup point guard right now, and he'll have some games when he's bad, and he'll have some games when he's good. But he'll give you, he should give you anywhere from, you know, 6 to 12 points a game, and that's what his role is, and... That's okay with me. With the emergence of Pritchard, I think you can lean on Teague a little bit less than maybe you thought you were going to have to. Yeah, I would say when it when it comes down to it in the playoffs, um, I'm not. I, I agree. I'm not too worried about Jeff Teague being able to hit some big shots, seeing as he's been there before. Um, and lastly, uh, Daniel Tice, and I, he's been bad. If there was a least improved player award for the Celtics this year from last year, he would get he it. is getting it. That's yeah. for absolute sure. Uh, I mean, it, like the stats don't do it justice. Um, how how awful watching him play basketball has been. He just there was a play in that I was so mad about this. I think it was against Washington. I don't know why he thinks he can, or why he thinks he has to do it this way, and maybe that's not even it. But it's still the fact that he does it this way bothers me. He went to go set a screen, and you get taught to set a screen by putting just your hands straight down below you, and like your palms out, you know, your palms in. And he runs up to set a screen on, I think it was Robin Lopez. And he's got his hands out in front of him so that his palms are facing outwards. They're, like, at his chest, but they're, like, out in front of him chest level. And he got called for an offensive foul for it. And there wasn't really much contact. But the problem is, the ref sees you with your hands up like this. And any contact is going to look like just a straight push. And it doesn't have to be much. You can't do that. 
Stuff like this bothers me. His defensive mechanics and his just his basketball IQ are awful. Now listen, he he shot the ball kind of well, especially from three. I agree. That's been nice, but he really needs to clean up his ability to defend, specifically around the rim, because every time he gets challenged at the rim, he has this habit of leaning over, which refs are going to call right away, and he's going to constantly parade his case to the officials to no avail just because he thinks he's playing good defense, and the fact is, he's not. So he's a guy, I mean, you, you could you could take a bunch of these guys and put them into a pile of need to see more between Theus, between Smart, Teague, uh, and of course, Nesmith. I'm not even going to put Carson Edwards in that category or Tremont Waters um, because they're just that bad that they don't need to do better. They just need to stop getting on the damn court. Uh, and Waters got that start against, uh, I believe it was Toronto, and he was awful. Uh, five, five, and two. One of eight, 24 minutes. Ugh, minus 17, that's terrible. So, listen, I mean, with the Celtics' seven and three record, you know, they are playing pretty well, but it remains to be seen what will happen with the COVID situations. Um, unless you have anything else to say, I think that will probably wrap it up for this pod. Yeah, big week for uh, that bust Aaron Eastman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do kind of hope they play like one game without all their players. Just one. So I can see this guy play 20 minutes and probably go like one of nine from the field. Oh, I agree. I mean, Like we said earlier, I was really excited to see them play because I wanted to see some of these guys like Smart, guys who were struggling, would actually get a large amount of minutes and see if they could kind of get a, a good game in, the, uh, in, in their pocket and really take the momentum and go forward with it. But Again, we'll have to wait and see what happens with these meetings, what happens with the games, with the season. Season could possibly be on the line in these next couple days. Uh, so hopefully things turn around and get better in the future. But I think that is going to do it for this edition of The Cool Zone. Follow us on Twitter at The Cool Zone Pod. And hopefully we'll get a guest on for you guys next week. We'll do a little recruiting to get a little third uh third eye opinion on these celtics and other things going on in the nba uh expect like i said at the very beginning of the podcast expect future episodes to be probably around like that tuesday or wednesday where you're probably going to record on mondays uh it's probably about 90 percent locked in that mondays will be our recording day uh if you have any questions anything you guys want to uh see us or listen to us talk about um Feel free to reach out. Slide in those DMs. Cool Zone Pod DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to join the show, hey, if you're not a uh, Twitter bot, you could join the show too. We'd be happy to have you come into the studio and uh, talk some Celtics, talk some basketball. So, as usual, follow the other podcast on under the Mouth and Off Sports umbrella. Fixing to Talk Sports with Ryan Brown. The Foxborough Files with Dan Roach. And, of course, the Mouth and Off Sports pod and radio show. Featuring Dan Sadik, Jonathan Sullivan, and Zach Lacey, and Ryan Brown, sometimes remote. Um, But that's going to do it for us this week on The Cool Zone. Play that intro, DS. See you guys next week.